0: Are, this is scripture, what's called an all skate. What does that mean? It means we have finished up our series on Joshua, and we have not started a new series yet, so I'm going to preach from whatever I feel like preaching, uh, whatever's on my heart. So hopefully I'll meet you where you're at. So we're looking at Psalm 16 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. difference. It seems like everyone knows how to be happy, but very, very few people know how to be joyful. Here's some quotes from different people who have told us the secret to happiness. Aristotle said happiness depends on ourselves. Ayn Rand the philosopher said my happiness is not the means to any end, it is the end. It is its own goal, it is its own purpose. It was Arthur Schopenhauer, the great, I have no idea who he is, who said that mm-hmm. happiness consists in frequent repetition of pleasure. Audrey Hepburn, the most important thing is to enjoy life, darling. To be happy, it's all that matters. Mark Twain, sanity and happiness are an impossible combination. <laughs> and finally, my favorite from the comic George Burns, happiness is having a large, loving caring close-knit family in another city (laughs) it's very interesting though if you read the Bible because the Bible actually has the exact opposite ratio of talking about joy as opposed to talking about happiness it talks about joy a hundred percent and happiness as a ratio two percent so think about that always talking about joy, rarely talking about happiness. Yet the world is always talking about happiness, rarely talking about joy. So what is the difference between these two things? Psychology today took a crack at it. They said that happiness depends on circumstances, situations, events, and people, and places, and things, and thoughts. It's also external circumstances, some hopes, hope for a relationship, hope for the future, Happiness is future-oriented. It's dependent on outside situations or expectations or events to align with your desires. (coughs) Happiness is in circumstances. But joy is not external. Rather, it's internal. It rests not on circumstances, but rather on your identity. Joy comes when you make peace with who you are, where you are, why you are, and who you are not. The question, however, I think they almost get it right, psychology, today. But the question is, who am I? Why am I? Who am I not? See, those are questions that I cannot simply invent myself. They must rather be discovered. I want to suggest to you that the most important question of your life is not who I am, but rather whose I am. Who do I belong to? From where does my existence come? See, you can create happiness, but you can't create joy. Joy is like that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know it's there somewhere, but you can never get to it on your own volition. You don't find joy. Joy finds you. For joy is a symptom. But as we look at this psalm here, we see that the psalmist has found joy. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Verse 9, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. What is it that this psalmist has discovered? How has he found what joy is? This is the answer. That joy is the natural consequence of a decision to delight in God. I'll say it again. Joy is the natural consequence of a decision to delight in God. The greater the devotion, the greater the delight. The psalmist (laughs) chose to delight in God, and he received the delight of God. And as such, if we want to truly know joy, we must choose also to delight in God. There are three things I want to talk about that I see in this passage. The decisions that the psalmist made. Decisions that we must make. Firstly, a decision to devote. A decision of devotion. Secondly, a decision to depend. A, de- a decision of dependence. And finally, a decision to delight. So, a decision to devote, a decision to depend, and a decision to delight. Well, let's break these things down. A decision to de- of devotion. Now, the word a devotion is all over the place in the Old Testament. It's all over the place. For instance, the Israelites were set aside. They were a people devoted to God. And God was devoted to them. In the conquest of the Canaan lands that we've been spending time in in, uh, in, uh, in Joshua, God commanded the Israelites to devote to destruction the Canaanites because of their evil, because of all the things. They were put under the ban. They were devoted to destruction. Remember that sermon I preached on on Ai and Achan? When he took some of the plunder and put it underneath his tent? And God's anger burned against Israel. Why? Because all of that was devoted to destruction. It was to be set aside entirely. This word devoted, harem, in the Hebrew, is from where we get the word harem. Harem, a group of women set aside and devoted for the king. That is what they have been uh, assigned. That is their uh, devotion. That's their uh, position. And so this psalmist demonstrates his devotion with what he says. He demonstrates it with his words. Look at verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Notice he says to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have a friend of mine who talk religion all the time. He actually went to a Presbyterian college, and we talk about the Lord, and he knows about the Lord. But there's a big difference between him being the Lord and being my Lord. The psalmist says, "You are my Lord," and in fact, I have no good apart from you. You are the one from all good comes; it comes to me. See, <laughs> devotion is declaration. He declares his Lord but he also declares his crowd. Verse 3, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. What he's saying is, I am not only devoted to you as Lord, but I am devoted to your people. Your crowd is my crowd. I love your people. I am along with those that have been devoted. I am one of them that has been devoted to you. Your people are the excellent ones. Verse 7 and 8, I will bless the Lord in gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. This word bless, barak, means to bow the knee. See, he's demonstrating, he's declaring with his words that he is devoted to God. But he's also demonstrating his devotion, not just with his words, but with his actions. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I set before you. What what does that mean? A good translation, if you look at Psalm 119, says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. Devotion is obedience. In other words, I do have a leader that I follow. I play follow the leader rather than being in front. God, you direct, and I follow. Through your statutes and your rules and your laws. I demonstrate my devotion in following your statues. You are set before me; I set before you. You are my because you are at my right hand. You will not; I will not be shaken. Right hand means God's strength. You are my strength. Psalm 16:4. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, and take their names on my lips. See, devotion is obedience, but devotion is also denial. He's saying, I'm going to follow you and set you before me. And the way to do that is I'm no longer going to follow this. I'm no longer going to do what these other people are doing. I'm going to deny their practices. I'm going to deny their religion. And I'm going to bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In night also, my heart instructs me. We see the picture of a man who is... Constantly listening. Constantly obeying. Constantly careful to declare and demonstrate his devotion with his words and actions. See, he's made a decision, this man. He is devoted to God. And it's a beautiful picture. You know, I have a picture of devotion. It's a wonderful one. It happens to me every time that I walk into my house. Her name is Sadie. Sadie is my dog. I am not a dog person per se, but I sure am a Sadie person. Sadie is what we call cugly. She's cute and she's ugly. Sort of like a a Chewbacca in miniature, right? We keep waiting for the letter from the Westminster Dog Show to come along, and yet it seems to get lost in the mail every time. But this is Sadie in my arms. As we go on uh, a trip in the car and if you notice she's looking up at me because sadie goes crazy when i go into the room sadie just wants me she sees me she starts getting, getting excited and she's somewhat of a smelt figure uh, but her hindquarters begin to move and she enters into what we call the booty dance <laughs> She starts to do the booty dance. She is so excited that her whole body starts shaking. And if I even come near Sadie, she will fall over on her back as if so I can rub her tummy. Uh, She's wonderful. She lives for Lieland and myself and the kids. There's no doubt in my mind that without a second's hesitation, Sadie would give her life for me. And if I was sick or hurt or dead, she would stay with me. Because Sadie loves me. Now why does Sadie do that? Sadie, for her, it's instinct. She was designed for devotion. She doesn't have a choice. It's part of her nature. It's part of her character. And you may say, oh, that's a dog. I mean, that's a Here's the truth, my friends. We were designed for devotion, too. The difference is Sadie doesn't have a choice. She's imprinted on us. We have a choice. And who we will devote ourselves to so who are you devoted to to whom have you been handed over see devotion involves declaration and demonstration and denial so what are you declaring I will say to blank you are my Lord apart from you I have nothing is it your crowd you are my Lord Proud people that I'm with. If I don't have you, I don't have anything. My counsel at night, it instructs me. What is this council? Is it the rules of the group at your high school? In your neighborhood, at your workplace? Constantly saying, Look, if you want to be a part of us, this is how you have to live. You know, you can fill in the blank with anything. Maybe it's your performance. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your money, maybe it's that special girlfriend or boyfriend, maybe it's your husband or wife. But what you declare, you will demonstrate. You will give offerings. You will look to them as your right arm. What are the offerings that you are giving? Here's the truth. We are designed to devote. So you must choose the one you will be devoted to. To choose Him is to declare Him. To choose Him is to deny others. To choose Him is to demonstrate in your life and by your actions that you have made a decision to devote yourselves to God. Until and you have made the right object of devotion, because we can devote ourselves to all sorts of things, but until you've made the right decision of devotion, you will never find joy. Because joy is the natural consequence of a decision to delight in God. Well, we've talked about a decision to devote, now I want to talk about a decision to depend. You know, dependence is different than devotion. Devotion is that of a soldier. I will follow you, I will fight for you. Dependence is that of a child. Devotion is saying, I will be faithful to you. But dependence is saying, will you be faithful to me? Devotion says, I will love you, but dependence says, will you love me? In devotion, I say, I will die for you, but dependence says, will you die for me? See, in devotion, I give God my strength, but in dependence, I give Him my fear. Devotion is an act of faith, but dependence is an act of hope. And so this writer here, this psalmist, not only decides to devote himself, but decides to depend on God. He depends on Him for safety. Verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in You I take refuge. Lord, watch over me. Take care of me. I put myself underneath You, underneath Your wings. Be my refuge. Verse 7, Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Lord, I will trust that as I depend on you, as I come underneath your rule and your power, that you will protect me. That regardless of what is going on around me externally, you will keep me at peace. You will sustain me. <clears throat> Dependence is seeking safety from God. But not only safety, but sustenance. Verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my life. The lines have fallen me pleasant places. You are my chosen portion and my cup. You know, when you're going through the line and you're trying to find the right piece of meat or whatever, you've got a host of choices and you see one in particular that you like and you pick it, that's your chosen portion. That's the one I want. This is the one who will sustain me. This is my cup. Back then, you know, the question of survival and sustenance might be a day-to-day decision. So what he was saying is, you are my sustenance, you are my chosen portion. But he's not only his safety, he's not only his sustenance, he's his inheritance. Verse 5, you hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What he's saying is, God, I believe that if I give myself to you and depend uh, depend on you, that I do have a future. <laughs> that you will look out for me that you will protect me in my inheritance this lot and this lines that you have something for me. I trust that the lines of your goodness to me will fall on pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. See the psalmist isn't worried about his treasure of gold being stolen. he's not busy hiding and protecting and doing all these things because he trusts in the inheritance of the Lord. Finally, the Lord is his life, for you will not abandon, verse 10 says, my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see corruption. You won't leave me to death. You won't abandon my soul to the grave. You will not let me see corruption. You will uh, underpin me. You will take care of me. You will watch over me forever. The psalmist, he places his need on God. He brings his aching heart, his aching head to God and says, I depend on you. Help me. You know, Sadie is not only devoted to me, but Sadie is dependent on me. It's her very nature. It's bred into her. If I was to release Sadie into captivity, she would not last a day. She would be taken down by a chipmunk or a squirrel Sadie has no fight in her. She has a little bart and certainly no light. She was designed to depend. And so, because we love her, we keep her safe. We have a kennel at night and we say, Come on, Sadie, get your kennel. And she just, bum, 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 bum. She wants to be in that little cage. She's never worried that we're going to come back for her because we keep her safe. And we also sustain her. At about 5.30 tonight, Sadie will start to get excited, because food time's at 6. And so, it's when I'm not there, you know, Leon says, she's only, she only does this when you're around, because I love, I love to feed her. And so at 5.30, Sadie comes over, and she's just looking at me. And she's doing the booty dance, and she's looking at me, waiting, because she knows that I am the one that sustains her. She also relies on the love that our family has for her. I think, forget the food, forget the sleep, that Sadie would die if she did not have love. For she lives to be loved by the ones who own her. She trusts us for the future, not just because she has to, but because she wants to. (coughs) She was designed for dependence, and so are we. You know, for many of you, dependence is scary. might be fine with devotion, but not dependence. You can be strong and devoted, but I don't want to have to depend. I don't want to have to lay myself out there. Why should you be devoted? Why should you be devoted? Because He is the truth. He deserves my allegiance. But for you, God may be your Lord, but He's not your Father. But God says, I want you not only to devote your life to me, but to depend on me. Here's a test for you to know whether you depend on God. Is He your safety? Is He the one you run to when you are afraid? And everyone is afraid at some point, even if you do not show it. Is He your sustenance? It's not wrong to have a job, it's not wrong to draw a paycheck, but at the end of the day, is it your paycheck and your company that watches over you, or is it God? Is He your inheritance? Are you trusting in the blessings that He has? Are you excited about heaven and seeing Him and the glory He has prepared for you? Are you so busy counting things that are in comparison to God, nickels and dimes, that you aren't even enjoying this glorious inheritance? Is He your life? Is He the reason that you live? Is He where you find yourself? You were designed to depend And so you must choose who you will depend on. You must choose God who will watch over you. God to take care of you. God to give me a future. God to give me life. Because joy is the natural consequence (coughs) of a decision to devote and depend and delight yourself in God. This brings me to my final point, a decision to delight. You know, devotion... Plus, dependence equals delight. It's a natural extension. Remember how I was talking, the joy is a symptom of something. It's a symptom. Notice verse 9. He shares about trusting in God and how God is faithful to him. And then he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Notice the therefore. The reason why I'm glad and my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure, is because he has made his decision. He's all in with God. God is my king. He is also my father. <clears throat> and I have set the Lord always before <clears throat> him. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. To rejoice, literally means to enjoy the possession of. I have him and he has me. He experiences this joy because God has delivered him. In verse 11, the psalmist says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You have made known to me the path of life. You know, so many people are in such a hurry to get somewhere and they have no idea where they're going. They're running to stand still because they can't find the path to life. This psalmist has found it through his dependence and devotion. And he's discovered that the path of life leads to God. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Jesus Christ is not the means to the end. He is the end. That I am His and He is mine. Some of you may be saying to me, Carlos, you ask too much. You ask for my strength. You ask for my heart. I've been dinged too many times to give that much. How can I take such steps? How can I trust that what you're saying is true? How can I trust that if I give myself to God, that He'll actually catch me if I fall? The reason we can trust Him, my friends, is because one has gone before us who has shown the path, who gives us the strength. For it was Jesus first, who was devoted to God. Although He was in nature God, He did not consider equality with God to be something grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He devoted his life to God, the eternal begotten Son. So when God the Father said to the Son, will you go and redeem my people, he said yes. He came to earth and he declared the goodness of God, didn't he? He declared with his words, he declared with his actions. He denied the power that he could have had and the Pharisees who sought to trip him up. He declared and he demonstrated. He demonstrated by laying down on a cross. As God devoted him to destruction, he trusted in God that he would raise him again. Why would Jesus do all of this? Because he's devoted to us. As he asks us to be devoted to him, he is devoted to us first. Jesus not only was devoted to God, he depended on him. When everything in his life was saying run, when all the disciples abandoned him, he rather said into your hands, I commit my spirit, for you will not abandon me to the grave. The reason that you can depend on Christ is because he's dependable. Jesus delighted in his father. And Jesus delights in us. His love for us is not temperamental. It doesn't change. It doesn't blow and shape with the wind. It is eternal, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, I can't offer you happiness, but I can offer you joy. It's not difficult. Declare your devotion to God. Declare your dependence upon God. Declare with delight that you are my God. Say to him, I don't want happiness. I don't even want joy. I want you. Reach out your hand to God and reach out your heart. For he is not the means to the me end, he is the end. Something's got to go, though. What's got to go in your life? For to declare is to deny For many of you, you're right off the precipice. But a half-hearted devotion is no devotion at all. So let go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all ways and He will make the path straight. So the conclusion is simple. We can devote ourselves to God because God devoted Himself to us. We can depend on God because He's utterly dependable. And we can delight in Him because He first delights in us. Joy is the natural consequence of a decision to delight in God. The greater the devotion, the greater the delight. I pray that you would experience His joy today on this Mother's Day. Let's pray. Lord, you are utterly dependable. Lord, you're worth devoting my heart and soul to. Lord, you delight in me and you rest over me. Proclaim over me with shouts of joy. Lord, let you be the desire of my heart. Let me demonstrate with my words and my actions. Meet me in my emptiness. Meet me in my strength. Be the end of the path for me. I don't want happiness, I don't even want joy. I want you.